Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 22-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Sharon, who's our other co-host and also the co-founder with me of Breast Friends, she's on vacation in Hawaii. She's on the big island, and we hope that the volcano doesn't get her. Um, But it also happens to be where our guest is from today. And before I introduce her, though, I wanted to just take a a couple minutes and just share some thoughts I had with you this morning, because I think it really ties in with our messaging today. You know, pulling our lives back together after a cancer diagnosis is not an easy task. Just ask anyone who's going through this. It seems that for many of the women we talk to, the lingering side effects of chemo and radiation not to mention the sense of loss from our real scars and the emotional ones that can linger on for a long time. We grieve the loss of our energy, our hair, our breasts. We grieve the loss of our sensuality, our sexuality. And of course, fear of recurrence plays a huge role. And having support through the entire journey is really important. You know, oftentimes our friends are there in the beginning. Uh, They bring meals, they help with chores and housework might even throw you a bye-bye booby party. I went to one of those the other night, and that was pretty fun. And having support through the entire journey is important because, you know, all of these things still play, you know, come into play afterwards. So what happens is you've got all the friends in the beginning, and it is so appreciated and so important. But as time passes, people get back to their busy lives. And I'm not putting blame here. You know, we all have a varied assortment of family, careers, social lives, and the cancer journey can take a really long time. And that is why we do what we do at Breast Friends. We don't want anyone to go through this journey alone. We are now, if you can believe this, it's so hard to believe that we're in our 18th year of providing that supportive voice and services at all points in the cancer journey. We talk to those who are newly diagnosed. We talk to those who are deep in treatment. And for those who are maybe have been years beyond and still find themselves struggling a bit, Sharon Hennepin, the other co-founder, is the creator of our Thriving Beyond Cancer retreats. We hold we hold the retreats at the beautiful Oregon coast, and we're actually we have a house that we rent on the beach at Pacific City. And fortunately for us, we don't have any at least current concerns about volcanoes. So <laughs> it's a great place to go and spend some time. So if you're a breast cancer survivor and you find yourself still struggling to figure out what's next in your life, this retreat may be just the thing that you need. And we'll talk about how to reach us at the end of the show to learn more about that. But in the meantime, if you're dealing with things right now, we have a wonderful guest today who's going to help you reclaim your life after cancer. Our guest is Deborah Vance Beaumont. She's an RN and an integrative functional medicine practitioner in Hawaii, and I can't wait to learn what that is. Deborah is also a two-time breast cancer survivor and a wonderful person. We chatted the other day, and I just love her energy. So welcome, Deborah. We're so, so happy to have you. 
Thanks for joining oh, us. Thank you, and, and thank you so much for having me. And I, I have to say, I I love hearing about your retreat and and the work that you do because I, when you were reading that, I was like, wow, it is it it really sounds like my bio in many ways because I just really feel there are so many stages that that we need support and we need support in different ways and it can yes. be it can be challenging not only going through it but it can be challenging for friends families you know uh coworkers to know what to do or to how to how to support you and so I just so appreciate the work that you guys do it's just really essential well thank you for that before we actually get into your part of the story are you feeling any of the impact from the volcano? I never asked you which island you're on. No, I'm on the big island. I, I, you <laughs> are. I have coffee or something while she's here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am uh, fortunate enough that I'm not on the volcanic side of the island. There are, are two sides of the island. But I'm, yeah. I'm not fortunate in the air quality because I live in a part of the island where I think because of the winds, I'm getting all the volcanic... Um, uh, oh, the, uh, the ash, they call yeah. it fog. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm really sucked in. I haven't seen the sun in a month since since this oh, started. Oh wow! So, it's, so is it's that near intense. Kona? Are are you? Do you live near Kona? Yes, yes. I okay. I live just south of Kona and Captain Cook. And so Captain Cook and Kona, I think, just because of the way the the trade winds go, that that we're getting the uh, the brunt of the really poor quality air. Uh, and I know oh, people wow. that are on other parts of the island, and they're not experiencing a problem at all. So it's just really uh, very geographically um, different, depending on where you yeah. are on the island. Well, you know, Sharon's in Kona right now, so I should, when we get off the air, I'll get your phone number. Maybe she can call you. You guys can go have, go chat or have coffee or something. Yeah, um, I'd love but, that. I'd love that. Actually, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the process of um, relocating to Oregon, so I hope to, to meet you. So I'd, I'd love well, to meet her. That would be great. That would be Awesome. So we would look forward to that. I, I have a very short little volcano story um, on, and I actually mentioned this on one of our other shows, but my husband and I will be married or just turned 38 years married in wow, on May 17th. Congratulations. Thank you. And the very next morning after our honeymoon or after our wedding night, Mount St. Helens blew up here in, in Washington. And the first okay. time it blew up, the ash all went northeast and dumped itself in Europe. And, of course, in Yakima and all those places. And then it blew up again a week later, and that's when we got the ash heading south. And, you know, that volcano is really close to Portland, closer to Portland than it is to Seattle. And people, oh, they, had t-shirts, they had T-shirts t-shirts in Washington State that said, Oregon, get your own volcano. <laughs> Which I, <laughs> I just started like Sandra Bullock. I would love to meet her. Anyway, um, it's just it's kind of a fun story, and people blame a us for that volcano. A little friendly rivalry there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So anyway, um, well, I'm really excited that you joined us today. Okay, so why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about your story, because I know you're a two-time survivor, and I'd love to know how that impacted your decision to get into the work that you do. So why don't we start with that, just so we can give the people a little background on you. Sure, sure. Well, um, as um, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a nurse. I've, I've been in um, uh, working in pretty high-profile hospitals through most of my career. And um, actually, I think that some of the working conditions that I uh, worked under, like the fact that I was a night nurse for, you know, 30-some-odd years, um, really actually played a role in my susceptibility to, um, to cancer and, and other health problems. They actually came out with a study that showed people who worked night shift were, um, had a much higher incidence of, of cancer and some other problems. And really? I was first diagnosed with um, cervical cancer uh, in 2000. 
And uh, that was uh, frightening and overwhelming, and I was not an oncology nurse and uh, went in and uh, went through the traditional treatment. And I ended up having complications from that surgery that um, that became actually more life-threatening than the cancer. And um, I ended up going through um, emergency surgery and ended up being in the hospital for like two months and I had to go through numerous surgeries and they thought they were going to have to actually amputate my leg from the complications. And what resulted was that I I went in for what I thought was a really straightforward treatment and I went home paralyzed for two years. And um, it was during that Yeah, it was it was like the most freakish thing that could happen. It was it was unbelievable. I, I walked with a walker, and you know I was a, a you know I was very active, and it was it was really a life changing experience. I'll bet. And I'll uh, bet. you know we hear about things like when that. When I got home, and I was dealing with all these things I never anticipated <laughs> I would have to deal with, you know, dressing changes and pain management, and trying to manage the cancer, and going to any number of specialists, and mobility was an issue, and I lived alone, and it was really quite traumatic, and. Um, I, I in my I had a background in psychology and um, it was during that time that I um, I realized that I was struggling and um, came to understand that that um, I was having all the classic signs of post traumatic stress actually and so. Uh, uh, that was when I realized that um, as much as I needed my doctors to treat oncology issues, that they weren't particularly helpful with some of the other problems that I was having. So I knew enough from my professional experience that I was able to find practitioners to um, to help me. I, I started seeing a, a therapist who specialized in that, and I was able to um, – I was in San Francisco, so there was a, an organization that um, they provided wonderful integrative um, uh, care, you know, they, they would come and pick me up actually for my appointments and I would go in for acupuncture and I'd see an herbalist and I'd see different um, integrative practitioners who were providing different kinds of support and it was just wonderful for me to kind of deal with that whole uh, period of my life and have that kind of support. And that was when I realized that there was a lot missing in yeah. kind of a traditional medical oncology approach and I went back to school during that time. And got my master's degree in integrative nursing, and um, that's been my focus since then. And then going forward uh, 10 years, I, uh, on a routine exam while I was at Disneyland, found a lump in my breast, on my right breast. And I just had that sinking feeling that I think many women know. And yeah. uh, in a matter of a couple of days, I was in to see my doctor and um, was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer on the right side. And oh at the time, gosh. they were like, well, we see some changes on the left side, but we're, gonna, we're not going to deal with that right now. We'll, we'll deal with that in a few months. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're going to deal with it all. And they ended up doing testing and found out that um, I had DCIS in, in the left breast. So then that became okay. uh, a different uh, picture, and I ended up having a double mastectomy. And then, um, um, just before you go on, um, just real quick, be, you know, we know what DCIS is, but for our listeners, would you just explain real quickly what what that means? Oh, that's that's really interesting. So, DCIS is is kind of a little controversial because it's considered like mm-hmm. precancerous. It's it's uh, a stage where they're noticing abnormal cells in the in the duct, and they're um, and in, it's actually uh, I think the more common level where women are diagnosed and being treated and there's some controversy about whether or not women need to be treated at that stage it's it's mm-hmm. considered um changes in the cells that uh that right. if, if 
that spread, it would be staged differently as, a, as an official breast cancer. So it's, it's precancerous changes. But with your history of, of previous cancer, I can see why you would do a double mastectomy. Just why well, mess yeah, with and, it? And, you know, and the fact that I, you know, was diagnosed with, you know, an actual tumor on the right side. And, you know, and that's one of the things that I really, when I work with people, I don't think that there's um, one answer for everybody. I think that, that every woman, um, you, need, you need all of this information, and it's overwhelming, and I get it. And I, it was overwhelming for me because that wasn't my area of specialty. But, um, but I, think, I think sorting through all of this and, and being knowledgeable about um, what, uh, uh, what you're seeing and actually sometimes getting second and third opinions uh, can really give people peace of mind when they're making some of these choices around treatment. In my case, I saw three different oncologists from very different practices or surgeons, breast surgeons, from three different practices because I didn't want to, at first, I didn't want to hear that I, I needed a um, double mastectomy. Of course, I don't think any woman wants to hear that, but right. I was in my whole, you know, ner- you know, high-profile nurse thing. I had just been offered, like, the most, you know, prestigious job of my career, and I didn't want breast cancer to interfere with what I had planned for my life. So I was like, no, I'm just going to make it. Yeah, this isn't that amazing how that happens? I'm going to get back to kinda... work. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, when the third surgeon said, you got to stop and look at your whole life here and not just what's mm-hmm. happening at this moment, um, yeah. that, that was when it finally got through to me. Yeah. So tell us, what, what is functional medicine? Because I know when I introduced you, you're a, a functional medicine practitioner. What is functional medicine? I, you know, I really never heard that term until I met you. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you asked. And, and I, I think uh, the language around it is continuing to evolve. But functional medicine is actually a specialty. And um, functional medicine practitioners can be, um, uh, they can be physicians, they can be nurses, nutritionists, um, health coaches. Yeah, and functional medicine is really an approach to health and health care that really looks at the whole picture, looks at how um, everything is interconnected, and really looks at really identifying root cause kind of mm-hmm. imbalances underneath uh, the symptoms that we often have. You know, one of the examples that I frequently use is like um, uh, thyroid issues are very common, and so what will take most people to a doctor is, um, you know, feelings of, of exhaustion or weight gain or, or uh, dry skin or things that, um, that they're experiencing, well, those are the symptoms. And, and to take a prescription or to take medication for it off the bat might relieve those, those symptoms, but it doesn't really address right. you know, the underlying cause, the cause of why you're having right. thyroid issues to begin with. And so a functional right. medicine doctor is really going to look at those <clears throat> or practitioner is going to look at those root causes and really try to correct those underlying imbalances. And in my case, I really combine that with, um, with really taking a mind-body approach and really understanding the effects of stress, the effects of our emotions on, on our health, and really trying to address those as well as getting relief from the symptoms that are, that mm-hmm. are uh, really affecting us. Okay. I, I, we've got a couple minutes left in this, in this segment before we go to break. So would okay. you mind sharing what, what are some of the most common health issues that women experience post-treatment that oftentimes aren't addressed. And, you know, some of those, right. those symptoms I know can be very debilitating. So why don't you share what some of those are? And then maybe when we come back from break, we can address if there's things that we can do post-treatment to try to impact some of those things and make our lives better. So, um, yeah, we got to kind of do the quick version because we're going to go out to break as soon as you 
go through that that kind of list. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the debilitating exhaustion that that Uh women experience as a result of treatment and everything else. So um, women are experiencing um, undiagnosed uh, thyroid and adrenal problems and um, exhaustion, stress, um, post-traumatic stress sometimes, and uh, neuropathy and brain fog. And all of those things are things that really can be addressed from a functional standpoint where women can feel better. And I think those are the top ones that uh, that come to mind. And I just think that those are not well assessed or or well treated. Sometimes, sometimes you just become a cancer diagnosis, and people forget that you've got other things going on as well. And you know the brain fog thing, you know, otherwise known as chemo brain. Um, that's you know, it, some people think that's not real that we just use that, and you know, that's our excuse for forgetting things. But you know, I wish I didn't have that excuse for forgetting things. Um, oh my goodness, yeah. T- can you talk about that for just a minute? We've still got another minute or so. Well, you know, actually, that what you just said is really the reason that I do what I do. Because all too often, largely because they don't understand, you know, people are, uh, you know, they'll say, oh, that's not real, or you're just making that mm-hmm. up, or whatever. And it's it's very real, and if you've ever experienced it, you know that it's very real. And, you know, it. I and those particularly brain fog, um, they know that a lot of the the symptoms that we're experiencing are because of the underlying dynamic of inflammation and oxidative stress that goes along with the disease and goes along with treatment. And so that's where using principles of functional medicine and looking at nutrition and targeted supplements can really help address some of that underlying imbalance. And I think the exhaustion and brain fog is what probably brings in at least 50% of the women that I work with. And they're being told there's nothing that they can do. And I have seen tremendous benefit from just making some very simple, straightforward changes in diet and and taking some targeted supplements that really help Mm -hmm. replenish the body and help the body heal from these very intense treatments. Well, you know what, when we come back from break, and we're going to go out to break now, but when we come back, maybe you could talk a little bit about what some of those those nutritional um, and supplemental things could be that we could, you know, find and take and, you know, try to enhance oh. our, our thing, our situation. So we are oh, going to take absolutely. a break. Um, so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Deborah Vance Beaumont. She's an RN and an integrative functional medicine practitioner about reclaiming our lives after cancer. And Deborah, just before the break, um, we were talking about brain fog and exhaustion and all these undiagnosed um, things that kind of happen that follow after a cancer battle. And you mentioned the term oxidated stress, and I have never heard that before. I don't know what it means. Can you explain what that is to our audience? Um, sure, and um, I hope to explain it in a way that doesn't get too technical. But basically, yes, please dumb it down um, for me. <laughs> I need you to dumb it down for me. <laughs> um, you know, oxidative stress is, a, is a, I, I'm glad you brought it up because it actually is used quite a bit. So oxidative stress is just referring to uh, free radicals, which are, which are molecules that basically are produced in our body um, as a result of having to metabolize toxins and, and um, metabolize stress in our body. So it produces these free radicals in our body. And, um, uh, and if we're not doing things that help address that oxidative stress uh, or that oxidation, I mean, if you think about, um, you know, when you cut an apple or an avocado and um, if you leave it out, it turns brown, um, yes. You know, that is actually oxidative stress. It's the effect of oxygen acting on those, ah. um, those molecules in food. And, and it's, the theory is, is that that's actually what's happening in our body. So when we have these free radicals that are often um, brought in because of, of contaminants that we're exposed to, our body needs to be able to process those. And we do that by having um, good nutrition and taking antioxidants, which, you know, like vitamin C, vitamin E, those kind of things. That's where they believe those supplements can really support the body. And um, well, that makes sense. Not, that's, a, that's a great visual. I'm picturing the avocados and the apples sitting on my counter, turning brown, and I've never thought of it that way. So that's a really good um, picture in my head. So thank you. And so, well, if you think about the apple and how they tell you to squeeze lemon on it yeah. to keep it fresh, well, that's actually stopping that oxidation process that, that, okay. that happens. And so that's what vitamins and nutrients do in our body. And that's one of the key ways that we can support ourselves in our recovery process is giving our body the, the actual nutrients that we need to heal. Um, I think everybody that goes through this knows that these, these treatments, you know, they take a toll on our body. You may need them, but they still take a toll. And I think what we can do is really um, look at nutrition and supplements in a way that really support our body to heal and being the, be in the best place possible so that we can be in our best health possible. 
That's great. So you said vitamin C and E would be good supplements to take. What would be if we if you could pick the top five foods that people should put into their diet from the nutritional perspective? What would those top five foods be? Do you think? Well, I think um, maybe the first class of foods is is um, the quality of food because okay. we're really suffering from um, from. Uh, having a problem with quality of food and how our food is manufactured. And so first and foremost, I think one of the first things that people can do is really look at buying organic whole food. And, um, you know, organic food is not really, um, you know, it, it gets really popular, but the main benefit of organic food is that it's not being sprayed with pesticides. And pesticides in our body are toxins, and and so I think that's the first thing that we can do. And um, in terms of nutrition changes, I think one of the first things is to really get away from um, a lot of the processed food that, that we've moved to in general, and that comes down to, like, um, flour and sugar, and that being the basis of many of the foods that we take. So in general, the more that people can eat whole foods and not processed, packaged food, uh, you're just going to be getting better nutrients. And those nutrients are going to help us in terms of healing. So, uh, of course, I I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody that uh, fruits and vegetables are are good whole foods to incorporate in your diet. So I think um, low glycemic fruits is, is a good place to start. Okay. You know, we had we had a nutritionist on our show one time, Dr. Ken Weiser. He's with Integrative Medicine up at Providence Hospital. And we had him speak at a seminar one time. And I loved what he said to a lady. He was working with a lady that had a weight issue. And, and he ha- had her come in and she was talking about how she reads all the labels on all the food products that she buys and she can't lose weight. And he said, why are you reading labels? And she said, well, because I got got to make sure what I'm eating is good for me. He says, real food doesn't have labels. <laughs> just, good point. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, you go to a, a store and an apple is an apple. And I know there's organic and not organic, but but there there's no label. There might be a little sticker that says organic on it, but you don't need a label that tells you all the food content because it's an apple, <laughs> you know, right. it's right. an orange. And right. I loved that. It was so simple and basic, but... But that's what I'm hearing you say. Eat real food. Organic food is best. And don't buy stuff that's got labels because they only have to put labels on processed things. Right? Right. I mean, isn't that? Right. Yeah. I think well, that's... there are two general rules that I heard actually just a couple days ago about reading, you know, because we do live in a world where, you know, um, uh, you're certainly, most people are going to have that. But the two rules to use is that a label should not have more than five ingredients, and yeah. all of those ingredients should be understandable, like things that you would want to put in your body instead of chemical names that you can't pronounce. So if you were going to use two rules, five ingredients, and make sure that they're real ingredients and not poly and saturated, blah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. So I thought <laughs> Can you imagine if you, were baking, if, if you were a baker and you had your flour and your sugar and then your can of all these chemicals so you could make bread with... I mean, it's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, like how often are we drawn to, like, uh, you know, bakeries where it's, like, you know, organic and natural foods and, and the taste just, like, explodes in your mouth? Well, that's because it's being made from real ingredients, and that, that, that tends to be the novelty. Like, real food, organic uh, bakeries are, are more rare, but that's, that's why, because they taste better, too. Yeah, that's that's 
So true. Well, I, that this is really good advice, and it's pretty simple. I mean, we're not talking about rocket science here. We're just talking about eating, putting good things into our body if we want a good outcome, and it just makes makes perfect sense to me. So I'm gonna have to go clean out my pantry later. I'm afraid. Anyway, <laughs> well, that's actually so, something. You know, it's it's very interesting because it, it you when you do a pantry clean out, that's actually mm-hmm. I, I know health coaches and I can I do that with people as well to really look at what's in your pantry because it's just easy. This stuff just kind of makes it its way into our house. I, yeah. you know, I'm looking through things and it's like, where did that come from? You know, but it's just exactly. it's just so um, ever present that it that even if you're somebody who tends to be very mindful about this, it's it's kind of hard to to uh, keep tabs on all of this. So I think periodically doing a clean out is probably a really good idea. I I totally agree, and it's sometimes it happens one box, one ingredient at a time. You're doing a recipe, you have to go buy something that you don't normally buy, so you you know right. comes in a certain size, and now it's in your cupboard. And are you ever going to use it again? Well, and actually, what is it? Maybe you should use it again, or maybe you shouldn't right. use it at all. But but yeah, that's that's really really good advice. Thank you for that. Um, so let's talk about some other common post treatment issues. What what are some of the things that you see besides the things we mentioned just before the break? Uh, yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, as I said, one of the things that, that I personally encountered, and I think that this happens a lot, is that we live in a world of specialists. And so you'll go to a, a specialist for this and a different specialist for that. And what they don't understand or what they, they don't take the approach that your whole body is connected. It's not like, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, hormones exist in your right arm and, you know, thyroid exists in your left arm. I mean, it's all connected. And, and I think that's the approach that's missing from traditional medicine is, mm-hmm. is really understanding this interconnected approach. I mean, if you have problems with blood sugar, which is a very common, um, it's, it's actually a very common thing that happens as a result of treatment. It's a, it, and it happens as a result of stress where you might have problems with blood sugar that you never had before. Well, most people understand that when they're looking at prediabetes or diabetes, but it's also an issue when you come out of treatment. And so as a functional medicine provider, looking at that and helping somebody rebalance their blood sugar is a really basic and essential thing to do. And, you know, like I went to my um, oncologist a couple of weeks ago, and I personally have a post-traumatic stress reaction when I, when I go to the doctor, and I know that, and I can tell them that. I went in, and my blood pressure was, was really high, and I, it was alarming to me. And he's like, well, I don't understand why your blood pressure is high. You're not here for treatment. I'm like, yes, but you're an oncologist, so coming into you is always like a crapshoot. So there's a lot of anxiety that goes in when yes. I come in here because you always have the potential to tell me that something's wrong. And, um, and, I, and he, he said, well, if this continues, uh, you might need medication. And, and I was like, well, you know, can I talk to you about that? He's like, no, I'm an oncologist. I don't do primary mm. care. I'm like, well, I'm sitting in your office, you know, and, and so sometimes I, I think that that's one of the things is that it can, it can just get broken down into pieces, parts. So I, I think yeah. that that's one thing that, that I would encourage people is to really um, have somebody that's kind of like the center of your team that can help really help you address all of these problems. So I think in a, in a general sense, what I see is that there's a lot of hormone imbalance, not only like estrogen, which if you're a breast cancer 
person is is um, always on your mind, but but thyroid hormone, metabolic hormones, insulin and glucose, and sex hormones, and all of those things and how they play together is a really um, underlying process that I think we all need mm-hmm. to look at and and would be helpful if we were seeing practitioners who could help us look at that big picture. So if somebody has those things, I, I, I have to say I'm, I am very blessed. I have a wonderful oncologist who, if I said to him, I'm having this other issue, he would, he would look at it and then he would either make a recommendation or he would tell me that I need to go see someone like a dermatologist or something, but he will always look at it. And, and I'm very, very blessed and fortunate that way because he's been, he's been wonderful for me and he's been my oncologist since 2004, since my second battle. And I love him to pieces. So, um, but they're, you're right. They're not all the same. And some will say, well, no, I can't look at that. You've got to go, you know, here. And, but let's just say you d- a person does have some of these things. You know, you're feeling the hormone imbalances. You're, you're feeling blood sugar issues. Like the other day, mine spiked for some reason. I don't know why. I don't have diabetes, not even close to diabetic. But I started shaking. You know, I knew it was time to eat something. And my, I don't know if that's my blood sugar going up or down or what. But what can we do about Probably that? Probably down probably down so is that what that's not that's not hype what is that called it's hyperglycemic when I'm when it's low so it made me shake and I don't know why I don't know what that was about but but if we have these kind of issues what are some things that we that you would tell us as a as a functional medicine practitioner what would you tell me to do about that well, when it comes to things like that, and um, you know, and that's really interesting that you bring that up because uh, blood sugar imbalance um, is uh, actually more common. And uh, the first thing that I would tell you is really, you know, once again, to come back to nutrition and look at uh, the quality of food that you're eating and how often. Like if somebody okay. is, uh, there are people who, for a number of reasons, uh, have uh, low blood sugar and will have those symptoms. So they might be somebody who needs to eat more frequently, you know, eat small amounts during the day to, you know, but because basically blood sugar is a re- reflection of um, our nutrition. So that's one of those areas where looking at what somebody is eating and how often is really crucial to helping manage blood sugar. For many people who have high blood sugar, um, it's learning to uh, it's learning the foods that are um, that are basically released more slowly into our system so that we're not getting huge blood sugar swings. That's one of the problems with a highly processed diet that's high in sugar and flour is that we can eat something and like within a very short you know like within fifteen minutes our blood sugar will spike, and our bodies are like, "Whoa, we've got to take care of this so it'll it'll spike insulin to mm-hmm. help take care of that. Well, that brings the glucose down, but the insulin's still high, and so what it can do is drive the blood sugar too low. So oh, gotcha. So you'll, you'll okay. be very high, and then you'll be very low, and then you'll eat something mm-hmm. to get your energy back, and, you know, and it becomes this, yeah, like, very jagged um, yeah. pattern. So when someone's dealing with something like that, that's where it really helps to look at what they're eating, like protein is, is uh, released more slowly than, say, drinking apple juice. Um, okay. in, as a nurse, I can tell you if, if we had somebody who was uh, going into a hypoglycemic reaction, they oftentimes say we'll give orange juice to get that immediate boost of, of sugar um, right. in the okay. blood to get that higher. But then you want to follow that with something like protein that's going to help maintain it at, at a good level Got so it. that it's not just going to keep dipping and spiking. So, that, so when so you that, talk about 
you talked about, you mentioned just kind of briefly earlier about low glycemic index foods, if you're going to eat, you know, healthy things. And so that's what you're talking about is foods that will not spike your blood sugar, but just kind of help everything stay at a, at a, an even keel. Is that right? Am I saying if that you, right? If you think about it visually, like when I think about people eating like concentrated sugar, mm-hmm. that is like a spike. It's like, woo, it, it, it sends your sugar you know, through the roof. Whereas if you, um, if you ate a more complex carbohydrate, like, um, like a sweet potato is a, is a complex carbohydrate, then it's, mm-hmm. it's going to affect your blood sugar, but it's more of like a rounded hill, you know, and your body can, can handle that much easier than, you know, say a spike where it, there's a lot dumped in all at once. And mm-hmm. so when working with diabetics or people who have blood sugar irregularities, that's one of the key things is to learn which foods are more slowly released into the system and which ones are more quickly released into the system. And then when you think about um, the symptoms that people might have, this is one of the things that comes up when, um, when sometimes people have that tingling in their hands, peripheral neuropathy, which can be a result of medication. It can also be a result of sustained high blood sugar. So that's one of the things that as a functional practitioner, you would work with somebody to help them really understand how what they're eating is impacting their health and help them make small changes so that they can get to a place where um, their nutrition is supporting them in a better way. Oh, that's great. You know, years ago, I, I got a book. I found a book in a store. I cannot remember who it was by, but it was called Sugar Busters. And it was yeah. a, I thought it was a really good book because for the first time in my life, I understood that there's really only three food groups. There's fat, there's protein, and there's carbs. Everything you eat falls into one of those. And, right. and when you eat certain foods, the high glycemic index foods like you're talking about, it spikes your blood sugar, then your body has to produce insulin to drop it down, and the, the blood sugar that is not... Um, is not consumed, you know, by energy because you're, you know, working out or something, is converted to fat pretty quickly. Right. And and so that that's why a lot of people go on a low sugar diet in order to lose weight. And I actually found myself I lost thirty pounds in about six months doing that. I need to find that book and pull it back out. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's it, it is a cycle. You know, we we eat the sugar, we we do the the insulin thing and then we crash and then we feel like we have to eat more and it's it's a cycle so just kind of going through that um, process and understanding it is really huge so you know what kiddo we need to take a break so we're going to do that and when we come back I want to talk to you a little bit more about post-traumatic stress because I understand you wrote your thesis on that your master's and I want to hear more about it because I think it's probably a pretty big topic that we don't cover enough so stay tuned we will be back in a minute Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. 
when was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Deborah Vance Beaumont, an RN and integrative functional medicine practitioner, and she's giving us really great information on reclaiming our lives after cancer. Deborah, thank you so much. Um, just before the break, we touched on the idea of post-traumatic stress, and I really want to hear more about that because I think as women especially, we already have enough stress in our life just naturally being mothers and and you know, career women, and trying to, and multitaskers, and trying to do everything all the time, and then you add in a cancer diagnosis, and then the recovery from that. I think our stress levels can go through the roof, and I don't really know how we cope with that. But I, I have a feeling, since you wrote your thesis on this, that you have some <laughs> thoughts on it. So I have some thoughts you, on that. Yeah, please share. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the stress feature because I do think if there's one thing that's really pervasive to women um, is that we're trained to be caretakers. And so often we're putting everyone's needs above our own, our kids, our husbands, our friends, our churches, communities. And um, I think that's the first place in terms of healing um, is to really encourage women to slow down. They, you know... Being in the midst of a breast cancer diagnosis, they may never have been in a place to ask anybody for help because they've been so accustomed to doing for other people. So that can be a real challenge in terms of recovery is that not only do you need to ask for help, but sometimes you just want to. You don't have to be superwoman and do everything. Right. It's hard and to I ask sometimes, that, though. You know, it's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to ask for help sometimes because, you know, we feel like we're you know, being a burden or we're, you know, it's an imposition for somebody to, you know, to help us. So we, we kind of keep things to ourselves and, you know, we, we try to encourage women to ask for help and certainly accept it when it's offered. So, you know, that's it, a, that's a fine line too. It's, it's a tough one, but, but yeah, and you know I'm what's sorry. really interesting is that most people would be relieved if you told them how they could help because yeah. people who love you want to help. They just don't necessarily know what to do. You know, exactly. and so if you said, you know, could you pick up my kids, you know, after school and take them for a play date or, you know, could you make a casserole? That's something concrete that people mm-hmm. can do. They feel good because they can help you and it helps mm-hmm. you because you need the help. And so yeah. as, as, as 
uh, counterintuitive as that seems to women who are like, you know, these, these super beings, um, sometimes telling people how they can help is, is really a blessing for them. And giving them really concrete things that they can do for you. It's like, Mm -hmm. great, I can make a casserole. I can do that. And then they get to feel good because they are helping you. Absolutely. In fact, we, we thought that was such an important topic. We have a brochure that is available through Breast Friends. It's called Tips to Show You Care. And it's it's for we give them to the not the patient, but for the patient's friends and family and, you know, caretakers. The, here's a list of uh, like a checklist your of your to-do list of things you can do to help her through this journey. And it's loaded with ideas. So it, it's kind of a it's a good tool. And whenever I go out and speak in at different events here in the Portland area, I always take that brochure with me and because there's always somebody in the audience that knows someone who's going through this. So I w- I'm able to hand them a brochure and they're able to go Oh, I can do. I could do all these things, you know. So right, it's it's right. it's kind of a way to ask well, for help without way, actually doing it. I've often talked about the fact that that I think sometimes it's much more defined and clear cut when you're the patient and you're yeah. going to treatments and you're in surgery and uh, the, the, there's a lot of attention on you, but not necessarily for your husband who's just sitting right. in the waiting room while you're going yep. through all these treatments, and that particular sense of helplessness and frustration is one of the things that I think can become an issue in relationships. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 you're, you know, I know for my husband, you know, I kept saying to him, like, this is, you know, how are you doing? And he would be like, no, it's, it's more about you. It's like, no, it's about us. So in terms of relationship issues, I think that um, understanding how that helplessness and rage and fear affects the people around you um, is a really important piece to helping kind of normalize when you're through treatment. And that sometimes gets put on the back burner when you're just trying to figure out, oh, my God, should I do this surgery or that surgery? And I think that that's a very real issue that needs to kind of be revisited when, when treatment is, when you're at different points in your treatment. Yeah, I agree. Way, not sure it's ever I over. agree. Yeah, it's really easy as the as the patient who's going kind of going through this, and as women, it, we t- we tend to say things to our family like "I'm going to be fine, everything's going to be fine," and we try to put out the little fires around us so that they cannot stress over it. But internally, we're just falling apart, and you know we don't we don't know if it's going to be all right. We're we're trying to convince everyone else around us that it that we will be, but it, it's a it's a tough place. So what can we do when we're feeling that stress coming on? Is there something, breathing techniques, is there something that we can do to, to just try to kind of normalize from that moment? Yes, as a matter of fact, there is. And um, so I just wanted to uh, just kind of put a, a, a place marker here. This, this can be a, okay. a bigger conversation. But um, that's, that's kind of a normal stress response that goes along with this. And then there's the whole realm of post-traumatic stress, which is, mm-hmm. is actually when stress can become very debilitating for people. Um, you know, you're, uh, there are certain signs that, um, uh, that are more indicative of post-traumatic stress, but basically post-traumatic stress is something that we associate with, you know, soldiers who have been in war. But what they're finding out is it's an emotional and psychological response to any form of trauma, uh, and mm-hmm. it can be many different ways that that trauma happens in our life. And really what defines post-traumatic stress is that there's been a life-threatening event that you've been out of control of, and you go through it, and then oftentimes will have 
symptoms like um, uh, constant worry or being hypervigilant. Or for me, it would be I would be getting up ten times a night because I every sound I would think, oh, there's somebody outside. And and so that that very normal stress response actually becomes really. Um, debilitating at a certain level. And there are certain things that define post-traumatic stress, but I feel like it's a real unrecognized issue for people who are going through this process. I mean, let's face it, we're, we're terrified. We're making decisions usually with not enough information. I don't know if there ever is enough information. And that, that stress and anxiety can become debilitating for women. And I just want to acknowledge that, and, and if, if there's any of your listeners who are experiencing that or they feel like the quality of their life is really suffering, that, that definitely that's a point when you need to reach out to professionals and, and really seek professional mm-hmm. support because it's not something you have to suffer with alone. And it's not something I recommend you suffer with alone because it, it can be so disruptive and debilitating. And I just really want to put that out there because I, I have talked to women who um, it's not something that they're going to handle on their own and they really do need to get some, some support. Oh, I so agree with that. You gave a little example of, a few minutes ago of, of being in your doctor's office and just the sheer act of being in front of your oncologist, your blood pressure rises. Now, that's right. not one that's going to be completely debilitating. You can manage that. You leave the office, everything's fine. But but there are times when, you know, you can go over the edge if you don't get proper care. And there is nothing in the world wrong and there should be nothing negative about going and seeking professional counseling in a situation like that because it's a real thing and you really and we do need to deal with it. So thank you for kind of putting that in the in the proper frame. Um, I think sometimes people think that they should ha- be able to handle just you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. You know, it's not always that simple. And I really appreciate your your position on that. So before we run out of time in our show today, can we switch gears just a little bit? And I'd like to have you talk about the mind body approach to healthcare. What what does that mean to you? And how can we, as just people listening to your show today, how can we do that? How can we, what's the best way to achieve my, the mind-body approach? Yes, and um, that uh, is, a, is a huge issue as well. But I, I think it really comes back to what we're talking about, just understanding mm-hmm. that our emotional and our physical health, it, it's, it's all one thing. It's not like mm-hmm. um, your, your emotional health is over here and your physical health is over here. You know, right. going back to our conversation about stress, most people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm stressed, whatever. Well, stress is actually a physical experience in the body. It actually changes the hormones in our body, which is actually what can cause some of the health issues that we get into. So, so our ability to manage stress and to understand that our emotional lives have everything to do with our health, as much as what we eat or what supplement we take, is really the underpinning of, of mind-body um, medicine. And uh, in the training that I've done, uh, I, uh, it really focuses a lot on using things like breath, what you talked about, learning very simple breathing exercises, you know, um, can be very helpful to take you out of that fight or flight that we're often mm-hmm. putting ourselves in for reasons mm-hmm. that we don't have to. Um, learning simple meditation, doing things like yoga. That's the benefit of yoga is it really helps our body get into a state of relaxation as opposed to a state of hyper-stress. 
And, you know, there are, um, you can learn simple breathing exercises. There are tapes. There, I, I actually run an ongoing group with women, and what we do is look at how to incorporate some of these very um, approachable mind-body skills in a way to take care of ourselves, how to incorporate like a simple breathing exercise three or four times a day, how to do a healing visualization. You know, if you're stressed out, putting on some relaxing music and putting on some headphones and shutting out the world and just listening to some really relaxing, lovely music. Prayer is something that that many people turn to and really helps them become in a more meditative, calm state than than Mm -hmm. just staying in this uh, stressed, anxious place. So there's any yeah. number of, of techniques that work, but those are some ones that I think people can incorporate pretty easily every day. Oh, that's wonderful. And I, I agree. And, I, and my, my thing is probably, <clears throat> excuse me, more the prayer angle because I, I do believe in the power of prayer. And when I'm, <laughs> when I'm able to just relax enough to really commune, you know, with God, I, I feel like, like anything's possible. And, you know, sometimes I can release that in tears or whatever, but it's it's very releasing. So, okay, we are almost out of time. I'm going to give you like two minutes. Um, how can we be our own advocate for health and treatment decisions? And I need the nutshell version before we run out of time. Well, the first thing is to have a doctor like you have, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> to have a doctor that is going to sit down and answer your questions that is going to be available to you, that is not going to make you feel bad if you, uh, you know, question that maybe you don't want to do X, Y, or Z. Any mm-hmm. doctor that is, uh, or practitioner who is going to shame you, uh, tell you I don't have time, uh, not give you the time that you need, that's a red flag. And there's yeah. so many practitioners out there. My, my first plastic surgeon, my first visit with him was three and a half hours. It was a big, wow. I knew he was my guy. You know, yeah. he answered every single question that I had. And that's, that's really the first thing is to educate yourself and realize you get to be active in this process. You get to talk to your doctors about not only what you need, but what you want. And mm-hmm. to find that voice, I, I just feel so often we're trained um, kind of at an unconscious level that doctors know best. And we just yeah. need to do whatever they tell us. And that's not yeah. true. And what I could really encourage women to do is have your own voice and ask the questions. And if you like your doctor and they're not open to some of the things that you're looking for, find an integrative practitioner like me oh, or yeah. other practitioners who work in this area and have a team that supports you. There's not that's just great. one person you know, to turn to. You can have an, mm-hmm. an integrative team that is supporting you at different levels. And I think that that's maybe the thing that I would like to leave women with. That's, that's great. Well, we are, we are out of time. And I did promise our listeners that when we came back at the end of the show, we would tell them about how to connect with our Thriving Beyond Cancer retreat. But before I do oh, yeah. that, I want to say thank you to you. You've been a wonderful guest today. You are a wealth of knowledge. I think there's probably enough here for another show. So we might <laughs> want to keep that in mind down the road. But I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. Um, to reach our, our office, excuse me, to learn about our retreats, visit breastfriends.org. Um, the retreats are held four times a year. You can see the schedule right on our website. And <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm choking up here. And I do want to let you know we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.